2: Is the Pack-a-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. What's going on, Andrew? It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast.
3: Happy NFL New Year! Yeah! It it, it, it sort of was on Wednesday. But I was going to get a noisemaker, and I totally forgot until you started reading the intro, and so now I, I totally messed up. I was going to get some confetti, which of course there you nobody go. could see. But it's really exciting, right, because I've been having a ton of fun refreshing Twitter like crazy since Monday uh, to get all those free agency updates. Of course, you know, lots of information about the Packers (laughs) and their lack of activity. Um, But then, you know, also spending a little bit of time updating my prospects with RAS scores as pro days are completed. So that's been fun seeing guys jump up and down the board as we we see all these crazy athletic measurables pop in. But uh, we wanted to get started. This this was originally going to be a pretty draft heavy episode, and I think we'll get there. But um, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that have happened. And and I certainly want to get Kyle's reaction because we haven't had a, a chance to talk about a lot of these things. So the natural place to start, of course, Aaron Jones coming back to the Packers. It was announced on Sunday, and you and I have had a lot of running back conversations. Specifically, you know, my take on not paying running back. So I wanted to get your initial impression on the Aaron Jones extension, and uh, then I will chime in afterwards. He's
2: back, baby! I'm excited! All right, so, I mean, we're talking about... Total fan appreciation for what just happened this week, because I think a lot of us as fans are so excited to have Aaron Jones back in the fold on a new contract. Uh, When I saw it come across my newsfeed, I was a mix between just ecstatic, but also a little bit of, I don't know, trepidation of the money that could be for another player and those kinds of things. Because in our conversations, I have given way to your perspective when the dollar amounts started to creep up towards that $10 million plus a year area. So obviously the Packers valued him as that cliche offensive weapon more than just a, a running back. And as the deal has kind of trickled down it seems like this is really a two-year contract and then we'll see so I'm ecstatic I think it's great for the short term of what this team is and I think the Packers understand that continuity here with Aaron Jones gives them the best chance uh, to win and uh, they obviously value what he was as a part of this um, high-ranking offense in 2020 so I'm excited but I'm I'm really interested to hear uh, your initial reaction and also your thoughts now after having a chance to process a little bit
3: yeah, as I look down on my desk and I see the imprints of my fists from saying, <laughs> don't pay running backs, I have to reflect on this. And, you know, I, what, what is it that I've said this entire time, right? I don't believe in paying running backs. I think it's typically a mistake to give a guy a premium salary at that position, whether you call him an offensive weapon or not. If they play, it, pay the, play the running back position to get paid in that top tier is almost always a mistake. But I also said that Aaron Jones is a great human being. He's been great in Green Bay. I love the guy. And if he did resign, that I'd be really ecstatic about it. And I was. And I think as the numbers have come back in, I've sort of wrapped my head around it. And I totally understand. My issue is always there's so many examples of bad running back contracts being an albatross on their team whether you're talking Todd Gurley whether you're talking about David Johnson uh, you know we don't know exactly what Ezekiel Elliott's gonna yeah yeah, you knew where I was going there Um, you know even even to a point Christian McCaffrey on his his new deal this year missing most of the season and obviously having to invest so much of your cap into a non-premium position so do I think this is going to work out I don't know But do I hope so? Of course, like I don't I I have no need to say I told you so if it's going to hurt the Green Bay Packers franchise. that That is my attitude so I'm really excited for Aaron Jones the person. It's awesome that he wanted to be back in Green Bay so much that he was willing to take a pretty serious haircut on yes. his salary yes. <laughs> what he would have gotten on the open market um, especially having Drew Rose now as his agent. So it's cool that it, that it got done. Um, You know I, I'm, I'm a huge Aaron Jones fan. I was going to root for him regardless of where he went unless it was the Detroit Lions who seem to be collecting Green Bay Packers yeah. like their pogs, and uh, yeah, so yeah. that's great news. I wanted to do a little bit of just like rapid fire free agent, uh, you know, reactions from us. So let's get started with. Patrick Peterson, who of course signed with the Minnesota Vikings. I don't believe they got a chance to talk about it on today's Pack a Day podcast. I'm going to listen to it right as soon as we're done. <laughs> I'm a little bit behind today. Uh, as soon as we're done recording. Um, so what is your reaction to a ten million one one-year contract to the Minnesota Vikings for Patrick Peterson?
2: Yeah, as far as like wanting him in Green Bay, I, hands up, I'm out. Like, that's too much for what I think that Patrick Peterson brings at this point in his career. And if I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, I guess I'm excited about I guess I'm excited about what he brings to the team, but I just don't know that the the Vikings are in a place where they're competing to the point where I feel like that's a good contract to give out because I don't know that that puts them over the edge um, into any category where you feel like you're you're competing more than you were. Um, without developing, I guess the corners behind him. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on Peterson?
3: Yeah, it's it's pricey. Patrick Peterson was abysmal last year, and I watch way more Arizona Cardinal football than I'm willing to admit out loud. Oh, cool. uh, mainly because I had Kyler Murray as my quarterback yeah, in a really go. important fantasy football league. But go. he he was not good. And in you know, if you go back two years, he was really starting to show a decline. Even at that point. Now you can, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, you can point to the fact that Xavier Rhodes looked like he was cooked, and then yes. he goes to Indy and has a re- rejuvenation um, in 2020. So you know maybe that's that's what is going to happen with Patrick Peterson. He's certainly going to get his chance. Guys who are really high profile have big names tend to get these kind of contracts even if they are past their prime. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't think he's worth. 10 million dollars and i i think that if he was going to get that contract it would be with a contender and the vikings don't appear to be that so yeah. um it'll be interesting the the next one that i want to talk about is uh sir andy dalton going to the chicago bears bless what's, him. what's the deal here
2: bless him and bless us I mean, this is this is fantastic. On a completely serious note, I know someone who's a family friend who knows Andy Dalton personally and speaks so highly of his character and his leadership and uh, what he gives uh, to his football team even beyond a football product. Uh, that said, I cannot wrap my mind around what the Chicago Bears are doing in so many different areas, even outside of this quarterback conversation. But uh, it boggles my mind that they thought that this was the move that would put them I don't even want to say like over the edge because we don't know where that is yet because this team is clearly uh, doing more of a rebuild than maybe they're even willing to admit, but uh, puzzling, strange, and I have no idea quite what to make of the Chicago bears, but uh, Andy Dalton, how, how are you feeling about the Dalton move?
3: It, it, it's interesting because he's just like, you know, Andy Dalton does seem like a really good guy. I, he's just the definition of mediocrity at the quarterback position in the NFL. And I mean, he had to sign a backup contract last year and he went out with Dallas. He looked okay at times. I don't know how you, you sign him and assume that he's just naturally going to be better than what Trubisky and Foles were last year. I think, Mm -hmm. I think he's right in line with that. And this is a move for a a general manager and head coach that you point to and say, they couldn't get anything else done and they know they have to win right now. The problem is there's also news, we'll talk more about this later. They cut their top cornerback today and yes. <laughs> there's also rumors that they are going to trade their best defensive lineman. So that's not a winning recipe and you know, it from an organizational standpoint, if you're going to go this route, I think you really just need to clean house, bottom out and then hope that you're going to get a quarterback in the future some other way. I don't know why you're settling for this mediocrity and maybe the bears make the playoffs again but i can't imagine they're going to be serious contenders
2: yeah absolutely and the thing that was interesting to me i was texting a friend of mine who is uh a big bears fan and he we were kind of talking about this factor of andy dalton adding in and you get a little bit of consistency and experience but Mr. Biskey added an athletic element to the game plan. And that's why I always preferred to play Nick Foles as the Packers, because I felt like you at least had a little bit more of a straightforward approach from a defense. Your linebackers were a little bit more free because you didn't have to worry about him taking off. And you immediately plug in a player who's a little little bit more statuesque in Andy Dalton. So an interesting pivot for the Bears. Um, He's been assured it sounds that he will be the starter he's making premium backup money so interesting that it appears to be some kind of a bridge uh, contract for the Bears but they don't appear to have a long-term plan in the works and that may come in the draft but they're an interesting spot in the draft so all this uh, will play out and we will watch uh, with our popcorn from the sideline and see what the Chicago Bears are actually up to
3: and one hour ago I had missed this, but Ian Rapoport had reported that Allen Robinson did sign his franchise tender with the Bears. Doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna be on the team next yes. year, but you would imagine that inches him a little bit closer to actually playing for them. So that's one weapon, but man, outside of that, yikes. Yeah, that's good. that's
2: interesting. I don't know.
3: So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the guys that uh, left Green Bay, starting out with center Corey Lindsley moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers.
2: Yeah, good for Corey Lindsley. I mean, deserves that contract 100%. A uh, huge fan of him and what he gave to this franchise. Uh, we knew he was probably out the door, and sounds like he's got a good spot there in Sandy.
3: Ooh. Who <laughs>
2: Los Angeles. I, I, I said Los I happened. said Oakland
3: last week, yeah, so right, we both so. owe each other some push ups. Yeah, I, absolutely. Corey Lindsley and, and his wife, I believe it's Anna. Sorry if I got that wrong. Just phenomenal members of the Green Bay community. They've done a ton um, for nonprofits in the area and and for fundraising and charities and, and so really great dude super happy that that you know he was able to go out and get another payday figured it wouldn't be in Green Bay but certainly this is a guy that you know whenever his career ends up being over in in the league is going to be welcomed back to Lambeau Field and get announced before the game and uh, have a, have a lot of fun with that uh, th- the man the myth the legend Tim Boyle heading Tim Boyle Detroit Lions.
2: Yeah, man, this is fun. So, I, as a lot of people probably know, I, I live in Michigan, and so I have a lot of Detroit Lions football. I'm always trying to dodge Lions games to catch Packers games, unless it's obviously the the matchup of the week. So, um, I will I will hope that he is able to win the starting job in Detroit. That would be a lot of fun to catch him and Jamal Williams playing on Sundays. But uh, good for him. I mean, he was going to be buried in this in this depth chart. Uh, you love it, but as a fan, it's easy to love a backup, but he, this is his career, and so this is his opportunity to go and try to prove himself, so good for Tim.
3: Yeah, it that's such a bummer. You and I have talked about not having preseason games this year, really hurt a guy like Tim Boyle heading in a free agency, because I think he could have put some really fun things on tape that would have enticed the team to maybe roll the dice on him as a transitionary quarterback. When they drafted somebody and maybe like gotten that starting nod right out of the gate, instead he has to sign a relatively low dollar figure salary with the Lions, and then hope to compete with Jared Goff. But man, I just really hope he gets a crack at some point because mm-hmm. seems like a guy who has all the tools, who really was doing all of the right things to to have a you know sustained NFL career. Uh, speaking of the Lions, Jamal Williams.
2: Yeah, so I, uh, Jamal Williams is one of my favorite draft picks probably in the last decade. Uh, Loved him at BYU and was so excited when they took him in the fourth round. Super bummed to see him leaving Green Bay. Uh, I honestly thought he could get more on the open market than what he got going to Detroit. And my biggest disappointment in this is the Lions, for years, have never committed to the ground game. And maybe that changes with Dan Campbell. I think that there's a better chance that that does change. Um, But for years, they've taken running backs in the draft and... Talented players and just have never committed to that running style. I'm afraid that with uh, Swift there, he doesn't get the run that he needs to be as effective as he can be because I really think Jamal in another opportunity could have been very, very, very special. Um, I'm, I'm kind of confused about the match there and the money because I thought it maybe he would have a better opportunity, uh, but I hope he, he does well in, in Detroit there.
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they move on from carry On Johnson because yeah. Jamal Williams is sort of a really, really great fit as a number two back. He gives you mm-hmm. just enough in the running game, but his elite skill set is as a pass blocker, and I thought yeah. his market was going to be a little bit higher than it actually ended up being, especially from a money standpoint because he is mm-hmm. he is elite as a pass blocker, but I guess yeah. you know that skill set isn't necessarily as valued as maybe I thought it had been. And, you know, athletically, even though he showed a ton of improvement this year, I still think he's he's relatively one-dimensional. And so, you know, good for him. Love Jamal, love his energy, love yeah. his attitude. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's, it's hard because he goes to a division rival, but you want to root for the guy. And, yeah. you know, so I'm going to hope for his success, even if, you know, hopefully it doesn't pull the Lions up. <laughs> too high in the packing order. Uh, and then the last one, as alluded to, the Bears released Kyle Fuller mere hours before we started recording. So, uh, any reactions on Kyle Fuller?
2: Yeah, so I know I think it was Ian Rappaport made note that the official paperwork has not been done. So, the Bears may be dangling this as a possible get somebody to throw him a pick. Uh, to to conclude a trade. Obviously, that'd be a big salary for a team to absorb if they wanted to do that. But Kyle Fuller, obviously, we know the Packers have had a lot of interest in the past. They signed him to, I believe, that offer sheet in 2018. And so, I mean, this this is the player that, with all the corners on the market and the prices that may be out there, if there's a player that, because of the connection in the past, and the quality of the player as a number two corner, potentially, you get pretty excited about it, and you just wonder if maybe this is the one. Obviously, he's going to have plenty of opportunities around the league, lots of connections in other
3: teams. But
2: if there's a guy that gets you excited, and I think that Brian Gutikens could be interested in, it's Kyle Fuller.
3: Yeah, and you knew Kyle Fuller was interested in coming to Green Bay because he signed that offer sheet. So yeah, you yeah. know this is a this is an example of a guy who would be comfortable there. He wouldn't have to move very far. Uh certainly I'm I'm sure he'd love to stick it to the Bears a couple times yeah, a season yeah. as well. The Brian connection. Ton of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Play with play with your old teammate in Amos. Obviously the Vic Fangio connection in Denver is yes. is going to draw a lot of interest as well. The big question here is, do the Packers have any money to sign Kyle Fuller? And that's that's a transition into our next, uh, which is the Aaron Rodgers extension. Is this coming? Do we do we uh, believe that the Packers are going to, you know, use that that as the way that they're able to create enough cap space one to, you know, sign the draft picks that they need to, but then also to potentially make an offer in free agency. I just want to read. Um, actually, never mind. I just <laughs> I lost my place. Here we go. Okay. So back. Sorry, I was I was searching for Alan Robinson to make make sure that I had indeed read that correctly. But Rob Demosky had tweeted uh, if the Packers are going to do something to Aaron Rodgers' contract, logic would say it would be in the next 24 to 48 hours. He's due a 6.8 million dollar bonus on the third day of the league year, and Demosky reported that that would be Saturday at 3 p.m. So we assume that if the Packers are going to do something with Aaron Rodgers, that it would probably be before Saturday.
2: Yeah, so this is really interesting. Obviously, this has been kind of the elephant in the room we've made, or we've seen the Packers make, rather, uh, moves around the roster. You know, we talked about uh, really creative contract work with, Preston Smith and with Zedarius Smith and and some other players that a lot of people even assumed with like Preston was out the door, and the Packers have made uh, plans to keep them in the building and do things really creatively. The Rodgers restructure is a more obvious consideration for the Packers, but it hasn't come to fruition. And so there's all these questions of why that is, speculations that the, the Packers have already made plans that they're going to be moving on in the near future and these kinds of things. We don't know that that is necessarily the case. Um, I'm curious that there may be a motivation for the Packers to hold their cards a little bit. Um, As these players come available in these waves of free agency, it could benefit them to not show all the money that they have to work with. And so it may be something that they're waiting a little bit on Aaron Rodgers and maybe in the Devontae Adams extension potentially uh, until they know the player that they want to pursue and maybe what those uh, financials are and, and the details around those things.
3: Yeah, and those are the two moves, right, that the Packers have some flexibility to to make and create some cap room. There would be Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and then also potentially looking at releasing Dean Lowry, um, depending on what they, they feel like his value on the defensive line is. And I was adamantly against pushing Rodgers' money back. Uh, a mere 12 months ago because I thought you want to keep that flexibility open that if you need to move on from Rogers and transition into the Jordan Love era in 2022 that you have you know that opportunity to actually benefit yourself from a salary cap perspective by moving on from Rogers, and and I have done pretty much a 180 on that. And I I think you need to maximize this window as much as possible. You have Aaron Rodgers coming off of the MVP season. So it, it would be almost unprecedented for him to absolutely fall on his face in 2021. And so even if you push his money back and he has a really solid 2021 and then 2022 is rough, you can still move on and you can still transition into the Jordan Love era, um, even though it's going to mean you're not freeing up as much salary cap room from Aaron Rodgers' salary. And this this is the way that I think about it. When the Packers moved from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, they had to actually give Rodgers a new contract. So they never got the benefit of working with him on that rookie deal. That's sort of like the ideal, right? Oh, mm-hmm. we, we've seen all of these teams really maximize that window on the rookie, rookie quarterback contracts. And be able to have a lot of success there before they had to pay the player. Mm-hmm. Well, the Packers may not be able to do that. And I think that's okay. Because we're, you know, if you're if you're looking that far in the future, there's a lot of players on the Packers' roster right now that probably aren't going to be in the prime of their career by the time they get to that point. And so if you have to pay Love on that fifth-year contract extension, which is gonna be a much bigger number than what he's playing under now, or if you have to extend him at that point. I think that's fine to do. And maybe you take take it on the chin for a year or two and you you settle back into a more mediocre state. But then you're you're able to project yourself forward. And I think you have to be fine with that as a franchise to really try to maximize this window, because the Packers could, with the addition of one or two really impactful free agents and then a good rookie class, really put themselves at the top of the list. They, mm-hmm. they were already good enough to be in the Super Bowl this year. And so I you know I, I think pushing that money out, I hate playing those kind of cap games, and certainly the Packers are being forced into doing that with a lot of other players. But I think you have to in mm-hmm. in this case, you have to try to take advantage and go out and get a guy. You know, it doesn't have to be Kyle Fuller but I think you have to try to get a, a player or two to fill some gaps through free agency so that when you get to the draft, you have the freedom to really like use that to get the best players you can find and not have to plug all of these holes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the Packers are maybe one significant free agent acquisition away from an incredible amount of flexibility in the draft, which would just open things up and would potentially give them a lot of security in the years going forward if they have those young players Uh, developing as well. But it's interesting you talk about the Love Rogers uh, connection there and that transition because it doesn't feel in this process like the Packers ever were trying to maximize a rookie window. There's a lot of teams who build to take advantage of that rookie window because they know that it's such a cheap contract, and that's how some teams have found success in those windows. However, if the Packers wanted that approach, it would have made sense for them to move on I don't know from a contract standpoint, but this year or, you know, going into this coming year, their best case scenario, they're going to get two years if they move on from Rogers next year in a rookie window. And you can't expect a first time starter in on the third year of his rookie deal to take you to a Super Bowl. That's an unrealistic expectation. So you're realistically looking at one year of a cheap contract and then your fifth year option. So it doesn't feel like the Packers are playing that game. They don't really look like they're planning for that maximized window. I think they care more about having the air and the wings, and we'll figure out the financials later as long as we have a good football player at our disposal in Jordan Love, which they seem to to be really high on. So that seems to be the case, and And Goody and LaFleur have both talked extensively throughout this offseason about Rodgers' leadership and what that means to this team. And he is the Green Bay Packers. I just don't—there's a lot of things that you say, as far as coach speak, if you're just trying to appease the media— no one is making them say Rogers is the face of this franchise and he's going to be the person who takes us as far as we'll go in these next couple of years. No one's making them say those things. So to me, I think that they know Rogers is how they win a Super Bowl in the next two, three years, and I don't think that they think a player who wins the MVP is going to decline to the degree that you can justify making a trade and think that you're opening a new window for for a Super Bowl. So. All that to say, I'm with Andrew, and I do think some kind of an extension for Rodgers makes a ton of sense. It could put a strain on this team, but I think it makes a ton of sense and makes the best sense as far as how this team gets back to the Super Bowl in the next two or three years. Absolutely. So you want to move on to some draft stuff? Sure, that's what we do. Let's do it. Let's talk some drafts. Do you want me to talk about the draft? (laughs) (laughs) Great awkward pause. But yes, why don't you lead us into this? I was super excited about Aaron Rodgers there (laughs) and was just still there. So, all right, let's talk about the draft. Uh, If you've been following us really on Fridays for very long at all, you know that Andrew has graded a ton of NFL draft prospects. I believe he's over 250 this year. And so uh, whether it's on the pod or just some of our side conversations, I love talking with Andrew about these prospects that he's watched so carefully. One, because he does his evaluations so thoroughly, but also because he can easily see them through the lens of the Green Bay Packers. And we're starting to get to the point in the offseason where the Packers' needs are starting to come into focus a little bit more. Uh, We know uh, that teams don't and shouldn't draft primarily for needs. Uh, That's not really a good practice. However, teams...
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: do often draft the best player available at a position of need. And so we can kind of start to get an idea of what directions we feel the Packers might go in uh, as we get closer to the draft and what positions they'll be targeting. So, Andrew, I wanted to ask you today on the pod, uh, just to take some time at the top of the show, I guess it's not the top of the show anymore, uh, but discuss uh, some of the draft prospects that you think could potentially fill some of the gaps that the Packers roster has incurred with these losses that we talked about in free agency. Uh, And so earlier this week, you know, we talked about Corey Lindsley, that he's made this deal with the Los Angeles Chargers, and um, he got that deserving payday, but obviously that's going to leave a really, really big gap in this roster for the Green Bay Packers going forward, uh, noticeable that he's going to be gone. So I'm curious if there's anyone that you've watched throughout the process that you feel could be a match for the Packers there at center.
4: See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
3: Yeah, well and one of the things that I wanted to take a look at, of course you could talk about the centers at the very top of the draft and say, well, this would be a good replacement. Of course they would. But <laughs> you look at Corey Lindsley, he was a fifth round pick out of Ohio state. And so who's somebody that the Packers could take a look at on day three to step into those shoes, maybe not day one. Cause I, I would think that we probably are going to see something like Lucas Patrick or Elton Jenkins starting at center day one, but then maybe be a developmental guy if they're not totally infatuated with Jake Hansen. And the, the guy that came to mind was Drake Jackson, the center from Kentucky. I think he's really locked into center. So he doesn't provide the same versatility that a lot of guys the Packers have on their line do, where they can kick from center to guard. Uh, but he was a four-year starter for Kentucky. That's, that's a big that's deal in the solid. SEC. Uh, he's a really nimble mover. Some team who likes to pull the center is going to love his ability to get into space. He's a pretty solid anchor guy um, for somebody who has the movement skills he does. So th- that was really impressive to me. He's not overly physical and he seems to have short-ish arms. He's going to be a finesse center, but he does his job with enough squat and hand placement to deal with bigger players coming at him directly. He's going to be great on double teams and Kentucky doesn't pass a ton, so you know you're you're gonna have to give him a little bit of time to adjust the passing game, but he's he's really good at snapping the ball. He's really good at anchoring. I think he gives you a lot of the things that you would have said about Corey Lindsley at the beginning of his career. And the fact that you would trust in the SEC a true freshman to be snapping the ball to your, your, uh, quarterback. And, you know, I, I know it's very limited how much signal calling is being done at the college level, but man, that's impressive. And, and Drake Jackson's a guy who would really, really excite me on day three. That's exciting, and I
2: haven't gotten into Drake Jackson yet, So, uh, but anytime somebody starts that long in the SEC, as you said, it's a, it's a big deal, um, and you want somebody who can step in and have some experience. So somebody else that the Packers are looking to replace, and this is one of the most noted people that they'll probably have to replace, Kevin King is still on the open market, so there is that return possibility of a return. I think uh, some people would probably be disappointed if that was the direction that the Packers went. But potentially we're looking at the draft for the Packers to find that starter opposite Jair Alexander. So I'm curious if there's anyone outside of the notable guys at the top of the draft that everyone's in love with that you feel could be a great grab for the Packers, say on uh, day two or day three.
3: Yeah. And and the guy that really stuck out to me was cornerback Trill Williams. Yeah, Trill. Trill. Uh from Syracuse. He who has really good length and physical tools. Remind you of anybody. Uh <laughs> his movement skills are really impressive for somebody who's listed at 6'2. I liked his hips, the super fluid. The accent 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 is speed and acceleration. He'll be a force in man coverage, both off and in press. He's good in zone, but definitely needs some work there. He needs uh, better quick reactions to different route combinations. Most of his bad reps have when they put him in the slot so I would not recommend that move Uh, but he has some great pass breakups just not enough turnover worthy plays at this point he has the tools to be a good tackler but he's pretty inconsistent looked bad a few times got exposed but you know you like that feisty attitude at at least and, and maybe that's an area where he can improve because he's got great length and you know you would hope that some of that will, will improve with some NFL coaching at the next level. So you see some of the same holes in his game as Kevin King, but you see a lot of the same strengths, too. The difference is you're not going to have to invest a top-of-the-second-round pick on Trill Williams.
2: One of my favorite surprises throughout this process of watching players was both of the, C- the Syracuse corners uh, between Efitu uh, Melifonwu and Trill Williams. So I'd be a big fan of either of them on day two.
3: Two fantastic names at cornerback, and also they have a safety named Andre Cisco who's going to get drafted, <laughs> another great name, and like, how is Syracuse not so much better? They have three very highly rated defensive backs, but you know.
2: Yeah, no, really, really interesting and two really talented players that I think maybe because of the Syracuse brand, if they were at Alabama, I feel like both of these players would be uh, much more viewed favorably by by draft analysts for sure. But, okay, so uh, one of my favorite things about the draft process is the variance in opinion amongst draft experts when it comes to evaluating talent. And one of the things that I love about the way you grade players is that you really try to not let those outside voices and opinions influence your evaluations. You don't even try to look at that stuff until you're done. And so um, that always means that there are going to be players that you are higher on than the consensus. It also means that there's going to be guys that you're quite a bit lower on than the rest of the draft community. So I was hoping that you would share just a couple of those guys uh, that just... Jumped out to you when you got their final numbers in and where they stacked up in your rankings that you're like, oh, man, I am way higher on this guy or way lower on this guy than the consensus.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And this should give you a really good opportunity to make fun of me later on when, absolutely. you know, I inevitably whiff heavy on on something or some guy that I'm really low on Packers end up drafting the first round. And you and I have to talk about him the night of. So, I yeah, fully totally plan on mocking you. That, that'll be great. That sounds really fun. When I talk about position rankings during this time, I'm only talking about film grade age and um, positional value. <laughs> I should say, Um, I'm not talking about athletic scores because I'm nowhere near having all of the RAS scores input into my equation yet. And so some of these guys are going to jump up pretty significantly, specifically when I get to the cornerbacks, I'll talk about that a little bit. But, um, you know, some of the guys at at other positions that I have really high, I've talked about them a bunch before. That's tackle Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, who I have my second rated offense tackle. Uh, It's probably a little rich for most people, but he's... A supernatural mover, really young. He was a, a redshirt sophomore this year, uh, still learning some of the angles he needs to take. But he can do pretty much anything you would ever ask a tackle to do athletically. He generates a lot of power because of that athleticism. athleticism so he can really move guys in the box. I saw a really good anchor in limited opportunities. Um, He only played in two games in 2020, but he's able to recover from the power and really settle into his blocks. And so for a guy that young, that's incredibly impressive. And I will say to justify that, Daniel Jeremiah has Jalen Mayfield rated really high, too. There you go. I just saw that and, you know, I would. sometimes I get really nervous about these ratings and that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get totally exposed to my brand and that's all right, right? Like there's right. times when I'm going to be totally right and, you know, the DK Metcalfs of the world yes. are going to vindicate me and there's going to be times where I whiff and... That's all right too. But but to have the guy I probably respect the most in the draft community, Daniel Jeremiah, backing something up like that, that that makes me feel pretty good. Um, another one is Edge Jason away from Penn State. I have him as Edge 4. He's an absolute athletic freak. He's 6'5, 257, incredible explosiveness. When he bends, I I, I mentioned this when we talk about edge rushers. Uh, he he looks like he's almost parallel to the ground. Like super good dip. He he's got really nice length. He can use that to expand his tackle radius. He doesn't appear strong enough to press tackles at this point. So, um, you know, he's going to be limited in in the run game. He's just going to have to beat the guy across from him. He's not going to be able to, like, hold him up and let the linebackers come and make make plays, at least not right away in his career. His rush moves need some significant upgrades. But he's an athletic unicorn. And you give him some time to develop. Again, there's another guy who is a redshirt sophomore. Um, he could end up being the best pass rusher in the class in a couple of years. So, just so you know, Jason Owe ran a 4.38 laser time uh, a week ago. Nice. How do you feel about that? That's four, that impressive. Three, what did Rashawn Gary run? Like 4.52 or, or something yeah, like that? no impressive now, number, now, but not a 4.38. He's, three, a, eight. he's yeah. a much heavier guy. Yeah, so, you say so, like, like,
2: 6.5, 2.57, and then he told me 4.38. That's yeah. going to make... Goody, you know, check him
3: up, you know, check him out a little
2: bit,
3: you know. Go, ahead, go ahead and put that guy on the board. Yeah. Uh, a guy that I have uh, lower than a lot of people is linebacker Nick Bolton out of Missouri. I have him all the way down at linebacker five. He's certainly a, a thumper at linebacker. He's explosive moving forward, but he's not always super disciplined. Um, he plays with his hair on fire. I, I said, you know, all those like stereotypical linebacker tough guy things. Hammer meets the nail. Uh, he he's gonna have some nice reps in zone coverage, but man coverage is not his thing right now. Uh, he's a little stiff in the hips to turn and run. He's going to take on blockers with ferocity. He's a good blitzer. Um, but, you know, to me, he he's like he's he's a solid linebacker, but there's nothing spectacular that's going to make him jump off the page. He's he's not that freak athlete that is going to be really great in pass coverage. So yeah, Bolton is probably going to be your primary linebacker that is going to be able to call plays and he's going to be awesome at stepping up into the run game, but he's not dynamic in the pass game. And so, you know, what is the value of that? I feel like you can find guys in the middle rounds that are going to equate to that. And so taking a guy at the end of the first, like Nick Bolton, uh, makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah, and it would seem
2: like a departure for the Packers to pick a player like Nick Bolton for their brand. I do like Nick Bolton quite a bit, but it would seem a little bit rich at 29 for the Packers as their uh, the way that they valued linebackers traditionally to make that move. Uh, we've talked about Kevin King and his potential departure earlier, and there's going to be an obvious need there at the opposite spot of of Jair, and it seems like Farley and Sertain are the consensus top two guys, but then there is a little bit of a dip, and then there's six or seven. Seven guys that seem to be shuffled in there uh, in that next group of corners. And so I'm curious, who are your cornerbacks as you've gone through all of your evaluations that maybe you see differently and then maybe see um, higher or lower, I guess, than
3: the other evaluators? Yeah, it just struck me as you were talking. Like, Kevin King's still out there, right? Right. He's still a free agent. You, yes. you have Casey Hayward. Now you have yes. Kyle Fuller added to the mix. It's fun. It's a lot of corners. And yes. not not that much money floating around there. So anyway, Malcolm <laughs> Butler. There's Malcolm a lot. Butler's still there's out there. There's yeah, a lot of guys out point. there. Yeah, man, interesting. So it would it would be awesome for the Packers to get a veteran presence because then it, then you don't need to push as hard to get that corner yeah. in the first round. Maybe you can you can take a tackle there at, or a receiver Wait, or whatever position you want to go with.
2: Is Xavier Rhodes still available? I believe Xavier Rhodes still available. Yeah, I think so. And think so. Richard, Richard Sherman. German. So There's a ton of guys. It's just it's amazing. Yeah. It's at some point the money will dry up and we'll get a corner. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I mean even even those teams that had crazy cap space, it's it's starting to get a little bit more limited. Now there, there there still are some teams that can make some big moves, but um, you know, you have to wonder, they're not gonna be able to sign five cornerbacks. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe that deal is out there. But anyways, getting back to the question you actually asked me. Um, I've talked about him probably the last three weeks in a row, so I apologize to the listeners for totally beating this dead horse, but I love me some Paulson Adebo, the corner from Stanford. He has really good length. He has great physical tools. He has oily hips, really sticky in man coverage. He can play press. Um, that Where you really see his physical gifts is when he's playing off coverage. Super intelligent in zone, rarely in the wrong position. He passes players off well, breaks on the ball. He plays with a it's my ball attitude. Solid tackling wide receivers after the catch. But certainly, you know, there's some ugly reps coming forward and trying to tackle running backs. I have him as cornerback three. This is probably going to change a little bit based on athletic scores because I've said before, I don't know that Adebo runs a blazing 40-yard dash. I think his speed shows up on the football field and he's not necessarily going to be the track athlete that some of these other guys are. That being said, his 2018 tape phenomenal his 2019 tape not so much Mm -hmm. I subscribe to the belief that he was dealing with an injury the entirety of 2019 before they shut him down that's why he came back to school in 2020 and then COVID happened and he decided to opt out and get ready for the NFL draft so I think he's going to draft way lower than he should and I think he's an incredible prospect but we'll see Right. Uh, Maybe he turns out to be really bad and I have egg on my face. So um, I have two guys up next at corner that a lot of people really like and I don't. And so this is going to be a little bit more controversial than I typically am. But, um, you know, one of those players I have is cornerback J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Before athletic measurements, I have him down at cornerback nine. Now, he's probably going to oh. jump up significantly based <laughs> on his athletic measurements, but I'll tell you something. he He's going to work best in zone and press man. He's really feisty at the line, does a really good job of jamming. Wide receivers, but he's going to need to do that because once a wide receiver gets past him or even even with them on tape, they are going to be able to beat him deep. Now, this is weird because he's showing that he's running a really good 40. So, what's going on there? To me, he has leggy feet. And worse yet, he gets grabby because of the fear of getting beat, which is going to make for a rough transition in the NFL. I think he's really competitive at the catch point, so I love that. But he's really limited in his ball production. He only had two career interceptions, and both of those were in the same game against Auburn. So I like, you know, in zone where his length can be an asset and his lack of quickness doesn't get taken advantage of, but he doesn't seem very interested in coming up and sticking his nose in the run game. So all of those things combined – really caused me to be hesitant about J.C. Horn.
2: I like the leggy feet term. I think that's a good uh, description of how what you see on tape with J.C. Horn. In some instances, I'm a little bit lower on J.C. Horn than a lot of people, but you have been completely honest with your evaluation, and I appreciate that. I wanted to ask you about um, another cornerback that has kind of ascended recently because of some bonkers numbers that came out at his pro day, and that's Eric Stokes from
3: Georgia. So I'm curious where you ended up uh, with Stokes. Oof, okay, this is going to be another rough one.
0: Okay, <laughs> so, okay, all right, tell us. So
3: I have Stokes at cornerback 10. Oh, now, this is before athletic measurements. Eric Stokes currently sits at a 9.99 RAS score. Is that good? Yeah, that's out of <laughs> a 10. So, I mean, it's not perfect. <laughs>
2: It's, it's real good
3: I think somebody said I, I don't know may, maybe I'm wrong about this I, I thought I read somewhere that Stokes has the best RAS score for a corner since like 2003 or something and so yeah people are going to fall in love with this guy and, and that's great uh, you know but I saw a lot of similar things with JC Horn he's a long cornerback he's going to win primarily in zone I think he's actually going to be good against the run versus Horn um, but he while he plays really well in press man, I didn't see it in off man. And for a player with his physical skill set, you would expect him to win a ton in off. And He's good moving up against the run. He tackles wide receivers well in space. So I love that physicality. He's actually shown good ball skills, but he doesn't seem to be dynamic in elevating against high point catches. He's smart in zone coverage. Uh, He seems to always be in the right place, but despite that incredible 40 time freaky Razz score, I just didn't think his film matched up. Again, guys can be really fast in a straight line, but the cornerback position requires so much hip movement. Mm -hmm. And when guys are, are, sometimes these guys are too much of track athletes and stokes i think was a phenomenal track athlete in high school if i'm remembering correctly Mm -hmm. sometimes these guys are so muscled up that they don't have the flexibility in their hips to be really smooth and so you know you think about like Jair alexander that dude almost looks at times like his his torso and his legs are moving in different directions because he's so fluid um I don't think these guys are. And that doesn't mean that they have to be. Like, I still think they can be really good players. I would say the same thing about Kevin King. Right. But mm-hmm. one of the frustrating things about King is, is you get him in off coverage and you see him in his back pedal and he just opens up. And then, you know, the receiver is all of a sudden like way past him. So I am concerned about those things.
2: So what's really interesting to me about Stokes and the R, the RAS score is impressive, impressive. I mean, it's just unbelievable. However, there was one empty box on that RAS evaluation. Did you notice what it was? It was it three cone? It was a three cone. There is no three cone on his pro day. And I don't know that we'll get to see him work out at any other event up leading up to the draft. And to me, I know that the Packers are sticklers on on their thresholds And they have a threshold on three cone. And if they don't see it, I don't know what they'll do with that. And since that is the one question, there there appears to be a slower play speed than there is a a measured time. And it appears that he's not as fluid as you would wish. And so it is an impressive 9.999 whatever RAS. But it doesn't factor in the one thing Mm -hmm. that I would care about to go back to from his evaluation. So I found that interesting that that
3: was the one event he chose not to do. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's some intentionality behind that. You know, his agents no dummy. Yeah, um, right. But, you know, he's going to be making the right recommendations. And, you know, Kent Lee Platt, who does the RAS scores, I give him all the credit in the world, having yes. put together all of this information, especially on the fly. Um, with so many pro days uh, going on every single day, and and that's a resource that's super valuable. But you're absolutely right. It's only as, as, as valuable as the information you have. And so, you know, there's no incomplete scores. There's no punishment for not doing a drill. You have to factor in the way it is now. So do I expect Stokes and Horn to be cornerback 9 and 10 by the time the Razzes are factored in? No, but I'm still going to have second and third round grades on those guys. So, um, yeah. Really, Would I really love it at 29? No. Um, do I see a path for the Packers to take one of those two guys at 29? Maybe. Yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And so I want to ask you to kind of get into the next position group here. Uh, I was reading on Twitter tonight and Ben Fennel was talking about the importance of a couple of positions in this Packers defense. He was talking about the defensive line and then he mentioned the importance of the safety position. And we know that the Packers feel pretty good about where they're at with the safety position, but I think they could use some reinforcement there, especially with Raven Green uh, not coming back, it appears. So is there anybody later in the draft that just really caught your attention that you think could be a good addition?
3: Yeah, there's one name that jumped out at me, and this is totally different, right? You know, I love, I, I fall in love with like the great athletes, um, okay. which is ironic because I'm, you know, kind of talking down Stokes and Horn at this <laughs> right. point. Um, but you know, like there, there's certain athletic skills that that I just get infatuated with, especially at certain positions. But not this guy, Um, and that is Tariq Thompson from San Diego State. I have him rated as safety six. San Diego State has provided a lot of really good NFL players for a sort of mid-level football program. And, you know, it's maybe not a super hot take to have Thompson rated as safety six, but he he doesn't strike me as a player who is going to test really well athletically to be able to, like, leap up draft boards. He's just always moving in the right direction. I'm not sure if it's his eye discipline or just like pure instincts, but it makes him look so much faster than I think his 40 time and his, his shuttle and three cone are going to look, make him look like, but he moves up in the run game. He takes really good angles. He gets the ball carrier on the ground. He, he even has some man capabilities. So I think you could drop him down the slot a little bit. Mm. When I look at a rotational safety, Thompson's probably a day three guy uh, even though I have him at safety six. And I, I really think this is a guy who could just be super solid. You you could rely on him to be safety three immediately. And then eventually, um, you know, potentially moving into um, a, a starting role down the line. I, I think he, he's that kind of player. And those are absolutely the guys that the Packers
2: have been able to find on day three of the draft. And uh, I think that they will look that way again to fill out the bottom of the roster, especially with some of those guys not coming back in a guy like a Raven Green and those kinds of things. I know you're still working on some stuff over at Game on Wisconsin. Uh, What are you cranking
3: out there and what can we look for uh, to see in the coming days over there? Well, let me ask you a question to answer your question. What do you get when you order a baby cat from a fast food chain? I, I've never done that, Andrew, because I'm so, somewhat normal. I what What do you get? It's a McKitty, McKitty.
2: <laughs> what is
3: this, this? week's prospect <laughs> review? Is Trey McKitty from Georgia, who uh, started his college career at Florida State? That was the worst I, joke I could I'm possibly. I'm glad you finally make.
2: got there because I had no idea where we were headed there for a second.
3: Yeah, Trey McKitty. He's a fun, like really athletic pass catching tight end. So um, you know, certainly feel free to go over and and check that out. Um, But that's all the time that we have for today. We went really long. But uh, (laughs) this has been the Pack of Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. Remember that. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Also remember that. Uh, And also please go out and follow at Pack of Day Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you feel like we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. And we're going to be back next week with, and we'll be posting this on Twitter. That's why I said remember that. Before the next episode releases, so now I can say it, our annual listener mock draft. So if you're interested in acting like an NFL general manager, like Kyle and I do every week, (laughs) check out Kyle or my Twitter. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember.